0: Back, pulls for up for three. three. Boom! Knocks it <laughs> Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in! For overtime, makes it go! It's Welcome to the MVP cast from me Mark Woods. We are brought to you as ever in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their consultancy services for a whole range of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. Now if you like the podcast please hit the subscribe button then you won't miss a single episode and do sign up for our newsletter that post up exclusive content on a regular basis into your inbox at mvp247.com is where you will subscribe now our guest on this edition is one of our finest young players one of our brightest and best she is currently tearing it up in spain having been on a grand tour of europe over the last few years and i'm delighted she's on the mvp cast this time Archie killer joseph welcome thanks for joining us
1: thank you for having me
0: um let's talk role models because you're um the latest or one of many actually i shouldn't say the latest that's um but Coming through the the system, the Haringey Angels, Barking Abbey, onto yep. college, into the pros. Um, let's talk about Harringay, I mean a club that, you know, people know and produce Temi Fag Benley as well, Evelyn Adebayo your, your good friend is too. What's so special about that club that gives us so many great players?
1: I think it's just the family atmosphere that we have. We I started playing there when I was I wanna say eleven. So you're really young, you know having to practice um, late at night. And, you know, these are the people that you're seeing throughout the week on the weekends and you're basically growing up with.
0: And is that a developmental thing there or is it just a culture that makes people want to play basketball, enjoy basketball, but also continue to work and work on their game and, and, and do something with it?
1: No, it's definitely both. I think we had uh, great coaches, great players um a great atmosphere and you know we were winning you know we were some of the best players coming out of London and getting to play and showcase what we could do you know throughout England
0: what was your start in basketball where did this the seed get planted to that hoops could be your game
1: so it's funny because I don't remember exactly but I roughly started like playing properly when I was eleven. I remember I went to a tournament for, like, London. I think it's, like, under 11 tournament to get selected to play for regionals. And my, like, earliest memory is getting the rebound and I think I got, like, 10 effective rebounds Mm -hmm. and kept shooting and kept missing over and over and over again. Um, But it kind of just started from, um, like, being tall, being one of the tallest people in my class, you know. And uh, my sister also played, so I think that... Um, encouraged me to, to pick up a basketball.
0: I mean, with the name, the spelling's slightly different, but you, can, you know, Shaquila's not that far from Shaquille. Yeah. But, <laughs> did it feel like destiny in a sense? Um,
1: I think so. I think it, it's quite ironic. The funny thing is, um, my parents wanted a boy, so my name <laughs> was initially supposed to be Shaquille, and um, then when I was a girl, you know, the Shaquille, My dad thought of the Shaquille rather than Shaquille was a better idea.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it works it works very well. Um, yeah. I mean, there has been, as we said, you know, great players coming through that club. I mean, who were your basketballing role models growing up, I and mean, who had that influence of you as as a player?
1: Um. So growing up, I didn't really watch a lot of basketball, so I didn't really know. Um. Didn't really have any like icons, but I would definitely say my sister. Um. She was five years older than me. She played for England. She played for Herengrave. Um, she kind of did it all. I kind of followed in her footsteps, went to the same schools as her, played in the national team like her and also played on the same club team.
0: Was there a rivalry there?
1: Um, I don't think so because we, it was such an age gap, like five years. So for her, like when I really started to play properly, she was already under 18s and um, getting ready to go off
0: to the U.S., did that, I mean, was that an inspiration factor? Because, you know, not everyone understands the system or how it works or how you get a pathway in the sport. It's one of the great weaknesses probably of British basketball is that the visibility of all of this. But you had this all mapped out for you in advance. I mean, was that useful? Or is it one of those things occasionally, especially when you're a teenager, you go, well, I don't want to do what they did.
1: <laughs> um, there was definitely like a, not necessarily a rivalry, but, I think an encouragement, like her playing, I wanted to do as good as she could do, you know, and um, for our father, he, he loved to watch us play together. Not together, but he loved to watch us both play. So I think I followed in her
0: footsteps. I mean, you mentioned your father, Lawrence, very tragic. Obviously, when you were just 17, he he passed away. And yeah, you were playing basketball for GB at that time.
1: Yeah, I, I actually was... Um, I want to say for the under-18s, we were still England, so Mm. England national team. I don't remember what country we was in, and we actually made the final to get promoted. So we had been promoted, so that was a great thing, and now we had the final that same day. Um, That morning, I found out uh, my mother called me and told me that my father was ill, and the team, you know, everyone was very supportive and gave me the option of going home. And in my head, I said, I know my father would not want me to leave this final and uh, play this game and then come back, you know, and then worry about these things. So I actually managed to play the game. We didn't actually win. Um, We still got promoted, which is great. And then came home and he was still alive. So that was, I think, one of the craziest moments in my life. But I think everything happens for a reason.
0: Did he get to see the medal?
1: No, he didn't. He actually was unconscious when I um, went home.
0: I'm sure, obviously, you incredibly, would have been incredibly proud of you. I mean, I mean, 17 to lose a parent, you know, lose a parent at any age is pretty pretty terrible, of course. But how, did, how does that impact a, a teenager with, you know, the world right ahead of you at that point in time?
1: Um, Yeah, it definitely was a struggle because, you know, 17, you're... At this time, I'm looking into going to America the next year, so I'm talking to a lot of college coaches. Um, when I got back that summer, I had to cancel a lot of my visits that I was supposed to be going on. Um, at these, uh, at these times, your parents weren't able to travel with you. I know that now, um, like they have, they pay for the the player and also the parents to travel. But um, it would have been just me. But my dad was very involved. Um, in my basketball life and anything I did would take me to practice or take me to games, you know, I would watch the games, so it was a big um, impact.
0: Does that, you know, did it ever make you think twice about going to the States then because, you know, just your mum's still there, you know, it's the na- natural inclination to kind of close ranks, I mean, or did you think, I've got, this is the path I've got to follow here?
1: Um, the only, I wouldn't say going to college, I would never have not gone. The only thing was the visit, so I did actually cancel a few visits, but it was always in my head that I was going to college. Even from a young age, um, I didn't actually want to go, and my dad was telling me, yeah, you're definitely <laughs> going to go to college, you're definitely going to play. So I um, I knew that that was going to be my goal in life, to get to college.
0: I mean, lots of places obviously clearly had an interest in you. What what made you settle on Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi, which, you know, most of us will have heard in the context of American football, that's that's its big thing, you know, basketball is not quite as renowned for, what, what was it there that you said, yeah, this is my spot?
1: Yeah, so, uh, again, talking about like the Haringey, the family atmosphere, I went to visit for two days and, um, it was a long flight, I had to get two, you have to get two flights because, um. It's a small airport, so you, you can't just get a straight flight from London. So was a lot of traveling. But when I got to that campus, I just felt at home. It was probably the most beautiful campus I've ever seen. Um, the coaching staff, the team, they just seemed so friendly, so nice. And I could see myself living there for four years.
0: What did you major in? Exercise science. So how is that combination of a degree that's kind of sporty? and playing sport. You know, what's the synergy like there as a student-athlete?
1: Yeah, it definitely helps, but I didn't actually decide my major. I probably want to say like my end of my sophomore year, I was a, a bit like, um, not really knowing what I wanted to do in life, uh, but it definitely helped me on the court and off the court.
0: Did you find that, that balance? Because, you know, college athletics is, it's. It's it's a tough ask, especially for basketball players, because you got to travel, you got practices, etc. What was the twin demands of getting grades and also performing in the court like?
1: I think the resources that they have there um, are amazing. You have tutors, you have um, advisors that will come with you on games. You know when you travel, so it, it's it's um, made possible. Like it's not. Uh, how do I word this? You, basically, you work hard and you can get the grades you want to get.
0: Were you, did, were you always very driven to make sure you come away with this with a degree? Because again, it's the excitement, it's the bright lights of playing basketball. But mm-hmm. some people kind of forget the importance and the longer term of degree. I mean, how how much of that figured in your mind on a daily basis?
1: I want to say, well, my freshman year, I. I didn't necessarily struggle but I wasn't really focused on school I was kind of in the mind process of mind process of I'm here for basketball you know school is like the additional thing which it should have been the other way around you know you're a student athlete student first and then athlete second Um, then it was my sophomore year that I started to really become serious and use my time wisely and uh, be able to play and study at the same time
0: to be fair, I probably focused more on basketball during my first year of <laughs> university, and I was not yeah. a student athlete. <laughs> all things being relative. Um, I mean, Mississippi an interesting place to go for you know uh, a, a British person, but also a black British person you know, heading to somewhere that's in the, the epicenter of the old South and all the history and everything behind that. How much did you become aware and understand that dynamic that sits there within the United States?
1: You know, I was kind of unknown, and I didn't really know much about Mississippi before I got there. Um, anyone I would speak to or, or tell them, "Oh, I go to school in Mississippi," it's kind of a shock, you know, being a girl from London and also a black girl. It's a shock, but um, I really enjoyed my experience there in Mississippi.
0: Do you find that with with the conversation we've all been having over the last year with Black Lives Matter and in, in- UK and Spain I'm sure you right right across the world do you find that in a sense you're more informed about it because you understand this american perspective and everything that's gone on there and a conversation that's obviously been going on there for for much longer and also the experience of being in the UK the experience of being in Europe as well
1: uh yeah definitely um it just opened my eyes more i think you know witnessing things going on you know i had teammates kneeling for before games and you know it's kind of a culture shock you know everything is so like um more formal i guess over mm. in england compared to the us
0: how much did you educate yourself about that past history of the south
1: um i didn't really and i wish i'd i wish i had i guess more people to make me more aware of what I was getting myself into, mm-hmm. you know, or like um, what may have, what may happen when I go there.
0: And saying that it's a very beautiful part of the world. I mean, you, you, you're you honestly very central to a lot of places. I mean, did you take that opportunity to get to know America around basketball and classes, et cetera?
1: Um, you know, you don't really have much time. Honestly, because the season it may seem short, you know, it's you play like November until like February March, um, but after that, you get maybe a week off and you're back to practicing again. Um, so I wish I I did take more of a, the opportunity to go and see different places in America. But I was fortunate to be in the SEC, such a um, strong conference, be a, being able to you know fly to different games it
0: which was a great experience i mean part of the your development of play over there i mean you were three point shooting was something that you became much more part of your arsenal i think it's correct in saying as time went on there i mean how conscious of that are you that for a big you know the game you know it used to be someone like you would have been plumped in the low post told to stay there don't get any th- yeah. three, three second calls that's all you need to do how much were <laughs> you conscious of the fact the game is changing And that if you wanted any kind of professional career, you needed to be a modern player.
1: Yeah, I wasn't really aware of it. Um, When I first got there my first year, I was actually playing the guard position. Mm. Um, You know, and I'm taller than most of the guards. So that (laughs) was like an advantage that I had. And also they always say that, you know, it's different. Playing European basketball from American basketball were a bit more like, versatile i guess you know we're not just doing that inside or we're not just outside like we can do both
0: do you feel that's the, the case because i think british players sometimes get tarred as being sort of american in terms of the the value of the game but did you feel that you were part of that lineage of european all-rounders you know your your donchich's or whatever that that you know, have the variety of skills
1: um i think so definitely when i first got there they you know, I was looked at as, oh, okay, she's European. She has a more European style of play. As I got older, I did, I think, become more Americanized. I could say, but I did develop my theory more, and I have become more of an outside player.
0: Americanized in what sense?
1: Like more physical, more tough.
0: Which, yeah, isn't isn't no a bad thing going into the prof- professional no, no. ranks. Of course um, not. We're at that time of year, obviously, when we talk we talk about March Madness. At you. Your school hasn't been there since 2007, so you missed out on that. I mean, is that yeah. one of those regrets of seeing that each each March and April and not being part of it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And seeing the players that we had and the talent that we had and knowing that we were probably so close to getting there and we never did have the chance to get there. I think just um, like having, or not necessarily someone telling you, okay, this is an important thing to get to in your life, I think, would have helped.
0: What's the... I mean, again, this goes back to culture, but what's the culture at a school like that, where women's basketball is clearly not the big sport, but obviously all sports have resources put into them. You have Title IX that forces a certain degree of expenditure in each of those programmes. How much did you feel that there was an impetus on you guys to win? as opposed to developing you as human beings?
1: Um, I think that they did both of those things. There was an emphasis for us to win, but also develop us as female athletes and as females in general. Um, For example, we had a a lot of people come to our games, not as many as we would have wanted, but compared to other female sports that we had, maybe like softball um, or uh, soccer, we had a lot
0: of fans. Pick out your favourite game from there.
1: Definitely our rival team against um, Mississippi State. Mm. I want to say my freshman year, we beat them. That Well, I'm saying that. That is probably one of my favourites. But then our last um, game, we had two gyms. We just opened a new gym. I want to say my senior year called the Pavilion and the old gym called the Tad Pad um we had one more game in there we was down i want to say 10 points and we won it so we closed out that gym with a win
0: and you would have played of course against tennessee i mean not the tennessee as of old of of the great tennessee teams but that must be quite special because that is that's like playing against man united or or liverpool in in college basketball terms
1: yeah definitely it really was exciting and um, I didn't realise the history of Tennessee until I really got there because like I said growing up um, I didn't really watch basketball I really understand it or know like the history of it so going there I was just kind of like oblivious to it all.
0: And then you see all the signs and the banners yeah. etc and then it brings it home. Right. Um, you go to the pros, first First year goes go to Italy, what's the process like? You know, come out of college, obviously you've got well, What used to be an EU passport, you know, European passport, and yeah. you're trying to pick a right place and the right landing spot. And yeah, you know, first year is always so important to me. How did you go about getting the right team, finding your know, agents or whatever, and choosing, you know, the, what's going to be the best rookie situation for me?
1: So, I luckily had a great assistant coach that helped me find an agent who was her agent when she um, was also playing overseas so I've had the same agent from since I graduated college Um, my stats were not the best leaving college so I struggled in the beginning to find a team I found a team in uh, the second league in Italy and when I got there I was I didn't know what to expect you know coming from college and you get everything given to you handed to you and then you come overseas and it's like okay you're by yourself you know you have to do all these things alone and um for example i was the only foreign player on the team so everyone else is italian that was the struggle um not speaking the language you know not um being able to understand what they're saying and also the coach the coach not speaking the english
0: is a struggle so how do you manage that
1: just try and pick up some words try and learn <laughs> some words over time um but yeah you know basketball is worldwide so you know you say it in one language you say it in a more.
0: is that useful as an experience though in terms of you know everything having been laid on for four years and it's a kind of different introduction to adulthood because it's very regimented and there's lots of backup and a support system but does does that year in Italy in any sense help you to mature in some way?
1: No definitely Um, you have a lot of things handed to you in college and going from that to overseas life it's a shock you know you're not really expecting it which I also would love to like help players coming out of college you know just get an idea of what they're about to get themselves into.
0: What's that advice if you're asked?
1: Definitely decide, um, pick a correct agent and know where you're going. You know, what you're like, where you're going to be staying, like who your teammates will be. I think that would definitely
0: help. Is there a lot of, um, and obviously Italy's a good place to go for this. Is there a lot of hand language and sign language and drawing stuff on the back of beer mats to get through that you're in Bournemouth with your teammates?
1: So, um, my luckily, my, two of my uh, roommates they spoke a bit of English, so <laughs> they helped me out a lot. My first year, um, my coach spoke a little bit of English, but he would speak Italian like throughout the practice or throughout the games, so I could learn. And so, you know, I'm the only non-Italian speaking person, so everyone else understands this language.
0: What's the best misunderstanding? And I use best in an ironic sense. <laughs>
1: the best misunderstanding yes um i don't know i just have a lot of like jokes which they may say in english which is probably really offensive which they <laughs> and i've had to tell them you know you can't really say that
0: <laughs> and get it getting off movies or books yeah, or such things
1: like that exactly um, or songs
0: um is it a fun year though because i mean italy it, it's it's hard to find a bad place in italy to go to then.
1: yeah it was it was a great year it was a, um I got to experience a lot. I was in a like a small kind of city, so I went. Um, it was kind of similar to London, you know. I was able to go places uh, compared to my second year in Iceland, which was I lived in a town of two thousand people, so that was a shock.
0: Yeah, you're playing for a club called I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Scala Grimer, Is that correct?
1: Uh, we just say Borguness.
0: I'll go with that. Um... <laughs> what's what's the decision to come there i mean where where is that cuz it's yeah you know, it, it it's it's a nice little league but it's not the most obvious place to go
1: mhm i i you know i you know you hear of iceland but it's like oh they have basketball there it's kind of a shock <laughs> but it, it literally was just normal um my offers i thought that i would get a bit more after playing in it- italy but it was the second league but i didn't get many offers um and it just seemed like the right fit for me at that time in my basketball career.
0: To to spend the, well, the best part of the year playing in, in Iceland, particularly when you're there in winter months. I mean, I, I've been there in midwinter; it, it, it's beautiful, but yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. Describe the experience.
1: So they actually said that they um, had one of the warmest winters that they've had. So there was snow. You know, there was <laughs> for me. It's piles and piles of snow. It's snowing constantly. And I really didn't leave my house that much. I had uh, two great roommates, a Polish girl and an American. So they spoke English. That was nice. Um, But they say, you know, they only have four four hours of sunlight there. For me, it wasn't a a struggle, I would say, because I would wake up when the sun came up. And then, you know, in England, the sun goes down at four. So it's kind of normal for me.
0: And obviously staying indoors tees you up quite nicely for the past year. Good Yeah, (laughs) I mean, what's the league like? I mean, you said it's not not a place that we talk about that that much. You you played very well that year. I mean, how did you find the level of competition?
1: I thought it was a good level. Um, People sometimes talk downly about Iceland, but, you know, there's some really talented players in that league.
0: And as a country, I mean, it's, it's spectacularly beautiful. I mean do do you do you take it in I mean you're on I don't want to see huskies but you know snowmobiles, etc do you mean do do you soak up that experience because it's incredibly unique
1: so I didn't do all of that but I did um we had a car that year so I did go and see a lot of you know famous tourist attractions the blue lagoon glaciers you know that was nice
0: and I presume it's one of those things that nothing prepares you for the cost of no, pizza of and a bottle of wine
1: no of course not
0: <laughs> it's eye-watering if you if you're listening and you haven't been there it, by duty free that's my that's my yeah. advice to that i mean you go to, <laughs> to, to, to germany then and obviously then ending up in the top league with with Keltern, and you, you get to play european competition i mean mm-hmm. d- does that sort of feel like yeah that's i'm ready for this you know this this is the kind of proper moving up in the level in, in europe
1: no, I think I felt ready. I just didn't really know what to expect, I guess. Or I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, if that makes sense. So, you know, I'm playing in probably the best, the second best league. You know, you've got League and then EuroCup. Um, I think we had a better chance of winning more games. But like I said, it wasn't like, kind of like the college thing. It wasn't really in my head of, oh, you know, if you do good in this, you know, you'll get seen. You know, this is a good platform for you.
0: What's the adjustment, or you for you? I mean, is it one of those things where you you kind of come in and you learn and you go, "Oops, I maybe need to raise my game here, or I need to change this." I mean, do you? What's the approach that you take
1: for for Euro Cup? You know, mm-hmm. playing in Germany. Both. Um, <laughs> we, I didn't really feel the difference like playing in Germany compared to Euro Cup. I thought it was like good competition competition throughout um adjusting my game. I didn't really adjust. But it definitely was more physical in World Cup.
0: Which presumably suits your game.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Do you does does the standard I mean, I mean we all kind of liked it to, to be challenged, etc. I mean is that one of the good things about when you get into European competition? Obviously teams in this country have found it as well that, you know, suddenly there are new opponents and they're better opponents I mean how do you react to to having that bigger and better challenge
1: it's just like amazing to be able to play night in and night out against some of the best players in the in Europe you know and doing well in these games and knowing okay you know I can compete with the best of the best
0: are you the kind of player that will go back and analyze through the small hours or maybe the next morning early hours do you I mean do you match do you watch game film or, you know what's what's the approach to kind of self-evaluation uh
1: so usually like if i think i've played okay usually i'm never like people will ask oh how have you played and i'm like okay even if i <laughs> think it's a bit better than it is but if i know i haven't played well i'll usually watch the game as soon as i get back to the house
0: and is that is that an obsessive kind of drive there i mean do you peck over the you know the advanced stats etc as well do you cut up film and go over things with coaches. I mean it's it, you know how, how deep do you make this dive?
1: Just more of like a self analysis of what I did wrong rather than looking at what everyone else did wrong, what I can improve on. And just seeing my overall like how I played.
0: I mean this season you're in the you know, Spain second the second tier of the League of Feminine in Spain with Liganes. I mean everyone tries to add something to the game every year? I mean, have you got something even this season that you've gone, yeah, I'm gonna work on this?
1: Definitely driving. Um, I feel like I've become a lot of a three-point shooter and I'm trying to, you know, make my game more versatile again. Like when I was younger, I've kind of like stuck to just the three and I wanna, you know, evolve my game.
0: And is that done in conjunction with the coaches or is that you just staying behind extra time in the gym shot after shot after shot what's the process
1: well with the corona it's pretty hard now mm-hmm. to just be able to get in the gym it literally is you go into the gym a minute before practice um you get your temperature measured and then um once practice is done you have to leave so it's tough you know this has been a hard season to you know just work on the things that i want to work on or specifically. Just coming into the gym to just shoot, just get up shots repetitively, it's hard.
0: What's this year been like for you? Because, you know, Spain, on the tiers of countries, if UK is amongst the worst, Spain has not been too far behind. I mean, how has it been living in Spain during a pandemic?
1: It actually feels kind of normal. I'm very grateful to be here, I think, compared to being in England. You know, a lot of things have shut down in England. And here, you know, people are kind of just, you know, living their life, you know. Everyone wears masks, which is awesome, even outside. Um, so I think if they was to do that more in England, then things could be open.
0: How's your Spanish after six months?
1: Yeah, not very good. So um, <laughs> we, uh, my coach can speak English. So he's been speaking English, like team talks and practice for like um from, since last month and then like this month he started to speak a bit more spanish and i'm just like oh, yeah i don't really know what's going on
0: <laughs> it's a good challenge push yeah. boundaries um, let's talk international basketball one thing that was interesting that I, I was looking back through your resume you played you're one of the few players who've played in a european youth olympics for for this country and, and it was a three-on-three tournament i mean it's it's a different kind of competition, I mean, t- tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so that is like, I didn't realise how much I enjoyed 3-on-3. And the uh, funny thing is, uh, they have two Spanish 3-on-3 players on my team that are trying to compete for the Olympics this year. Mm-hmm. So it's great in practice, you know, play, watch, playing with them and seeing how they play together. But uh, that 3-on-3 tournament that, are you, are you talking about the one in Spain or yeah. in Italy? Uh, I, think it was it-
0: I think it was Italy. Actually, it was the youth Olympics.
1: Okay, because I know we did two, mm. two different tournaments. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, life changing. To be honest, such you- a great experience.
0: What do you? What do you kind of learn from three on three then?
1: To move the ball mm. better, um, and it's like you know you have the height and you can shoot. You're hard to guard in three on three. There's so much space.
0: I mean, it's a, a form of the game that everyone knows has been neglected in this country. And obviously it's an Olympic sport as of Mm -hmm. Tokyo. No one really did anything within British basketball to try and qualify for, for the Tokyo Olympics, but there are, there are orders being given from on high within British sport to make sure that there is a team at least contending to qualify for the Paris Olympics in 2024. Yeah. Do you see that as maybe an opportunity there for you?
1: Yeah, definitely a goal in my life is definitely to make the Olympic team, whether it's five and five or three and three.
0: And there's also Commonwealth Games next year. It has three yeah. and three. Would that mm-hmm. be of interest?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: There you go. Team England, sign her up. There she's, she's <laughs> first in the plane. Um, brilliantly, yeah, you're, you're not that far removed from winning your first Great Britain Cup. Um, Obviously not a great result for the team. Not in Eurobasket, but as an experience and a, a kind of box ticked what did that represent for you?
1: Uh, it was just a great opportunity to play again for my country. I hadn't been on the team for, um, I want to say, like three or four years. And, you know, you know, I grew up with that every summer, you know, going to camp, seeing my friends from all different parts of England, being able to play with some of my teammates that I haven't played with since I was 13, 14. It was just amazing.
0: What do you learn from those practices I mean Evelyn when she was you know on the podcast you know I was talking you know just soaking up the learnings from chamba and other players on it I mean what did you take away from those five six days
1: just how professional you know the older players are and just watching them and uh, just being in the same on the same court as them it was like so I don't know it just like helped build me as a basketball player for when I came back to Spain you know
0: so one of the things that's, it's just struck me is uh, we've always seen the men, for players who've got their first caps. There's a kind of tradition of, I think it's an it's, it's kind of an initiation ceremony. I mean, let's call it that. Is there yeah. something similar for the women?
1: Yeah. So we actually, uh, sing the national anthem, and they gave me a picture of our, my first cap. So it was a team photo. I got that.
0: And where will that sit in due course?
1: So I actually. Um, gave it to one of my teammates to bring back home so it'll be in my living room
0: it's there and for pride of place yes to see it um yes. what's the future hold where, do, where does this game take you or where do you where do you take yourself after this game
1: i am probably going to play as long as i can you know it's it's like you're in the real world, but it's you know you still got a small bit of college in it. In this, you know, you have your house, you have your um your job is done. You know, it's and I'm doing it something that I enjoy.
0: What you're trying to say is it's not like a real job, but it's pretty. Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all right. We all feel like that. Anyone that works in sport, <laughs> that's the good part of it. Um, she continued good luck with what you're doing over in spain I hope you have a great end of the season and um not come with games and olympics back and surely
1: yes thank you so much
0: thanks for joining us and being our guest in this edition of the mvp cast and that is it big thanks to our sponsors at total environmental compliance search them on google or give them a follow on social at t compliance limited you can get all the previous editions of the podcast at mvp247.com or your preferred podcast provider and you can also sign up of course for the post up our newsletter at the website if you want to get in touch with me reach out on twitter at mark Britball. another edition of the mvp cast coming very soon but for me mark woods thank you so much for listening that's goodbye for now